0: listening to episode 7 of 8 minute movies alienated a podcast talking about the 1979 movie alien in 8 minute chunks presented by me Kieran and the other host Peter hello peter the other host hello um how are you oh 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 dear uh i'm i'm as well as could be expected to be yeah, on this day that did you uh, no i didn't yeah i didn't expect it um, what have you been up to? Uh, oh boy. Um, uh, I have been playing video games in the style of people. People play video games, and I am a person QED. <laughs> okay.
1: Well done. Which video games do you wish to elaborate in any way on this?
0: Uh, well, I've been playing a bit of Barrow Trauma. Um, Mm. I don't know if we mentioned this before in the The Thing podcast, but we're playing a bit of Barotrauma. Barotrauma's um, one of those co-op multiplayer games where everyone is running around doing various tasks and trying not to die. Um, Mm. Except you're in a submarine on
1: Europa. Um, Yes, uh, I've I've played it a little bit before. Uh, Not very much. Uh, It didn't didn't quite click with me which it surprised me a little because it seems like it would be my kind of multiplayer thing because i do like multiplayer genre of i guess stuff going wrong simulator yeah it's 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 fun but it's uh, it's stressful mm. af
0: and yeah. uh, also um, the interface is painful in, in some ways maybe
1: it's... that's it because i i like i like the whole running around the submarine trying to f- keep it running and fix tasks but i i don't feel like the interface has to get in the way of all of the chaos mm-hmm. that's going on that uh, maybe maybe it just needs a few polish passes before i i, I can i can properly enjoy it because I, I i think the concept is really really great and uh uh, I always hear you talking about it uh, as well with people who you've been playing it with and it sounds like it sounds cool mm. it's it, it's good fun but I can only ever play sort of
0: like one one or two games of it in a day because it is quite like stressful mm. um, uh, on, on our last trip out um, a large crab had sex with our submarine and and laid an egg inside it
1: and we oh. all died <laughs> well almost appropriate for what we're about to do, I suppose <laughs> foreshadowing
0: um, <Yeah. laughs> um oh did I play anything I I've, I've been playing a little bit of a an indie game called Antarctica 88 um mm. which is uh, basically uh, the thing as a first person shooter okay um and it's it's quite good. I there's something about it that's making me pretty motion sick, and I can't quite figure out what it is. So I've only been able to play it for about half an hour, but it's it's pretty good. It's pretty entertaining so far, and it was like four pounds. So
1: nice. Mm. What about you? Have you been up to anything? Oh, uh, well, video games again. Uh, I have been playing a lot of uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. The, oh, you you uh, astonish me. RPG. Yeah, well, look, I, I've been playing it for a long time and um, and I can't possibly really get into all of the things that I have done in that game just because it is at this point just a, a ludicrously large <laughs> game. However large you're imagining it is, it's it's bigger than that. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous at this point. Um, and I can't really properly recommend it to someone unless they really just want this massive time sink that (laughs) uh, and sometimes you do like i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sometimes you just want a thing that is quite enjoyable and takes up a bunch of time and, (laughs) and just never ends um well, I've got I've got you I've got you a second job for Christmas. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You did get me the Mass Effect collection oh. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, so that's another huge undertaking which at some point I will begin. Um uh, I have played those games before but it would be nice to play the, the new fancy editions. Um but anyway, so the thing I wanted to talk about with uh, Final Fantasy 14 is because it's so kind of sprawling and big and also there's lots of different kinds of classes that you can play in the game and different jobs you can do Um, there's no real one version of the interface that properly works for everyone so the way that like older MMOs, like World of Warcraft or something, handle this is just to allow you to mod the game, so you can just download whatever weird mods that you need to make the interface work how you need it to work to, uh, to do stuff. Um, and Final Fantasy doesn't allow mods, but it just t- it instead it allows you almost complete control over everything to do with the UI. Mm. Um, so um, so you can just you can move. St- Stuff uh, wherever you want. You can make it bigger. You can make it smaller. You can uh, change where the buttons are. You can uh, change the order of things. You can reveal stuff, hide stuff, and anything that you could possibly want to do uh, with the interface, you can basically do. Like I've even set up macros so that uh, when I press a button, it hides and shows certain parts of the interface that I don't want to always be visible. It's uh, it, it's very uh, extensive, but also because it is, it's a bit of a nightmare because you <laughs> d- you start get really overanalyzing how you want your screen set up. So for the past few days in in this game, most of what I've been doing is like tinkering about with my interface see if I can make it any better and then trying it for a bit and then deciding that I'm not quite satisfied with how it's set, it, set up and do doing a, a bit more tinkering and I have sunk just hours and hours <laughs> at this point into just making little tweaks to the interface and the main culprit of this is that I decided to buy an MMO mouse recently. Oh god. Um, which is, it's like a regular mouse except it's got a lot more buttons on it. <laughs> um, uh, because once you get deep into an MMO there's lots of different things that lots of different kind of skills and things that you can activate and it becomes quite unwieldy to do it on the screen. Uh, now Final Fantasy XIV has this controller mode, right, um, that you can use which makes it it's in some ways easier, some way, in some ways harder to activate all the skills that you want to to do. And I, I never got on with that. But also, my screen was just getting really cluttered with all of these buttons. So I was like, maybe I could get this MMO mouse. And the reason that I went for this one, it's a, it's a Logitech one, was that unlike all of the other kind of game mice that I've seen, this one looks vaguely normal. It doesn't look <laughs> like it... Came from space or something? Does does it have RGB LEDs? It, it does, but in a really understated way. They, just, <laughs> they, they they just make the kind of buttons glow on the side. It's nothing more elaborate than that. It, it's just nice and subtle. Um, and it doesn't. It's not weird and spiky and shaped. Un. It, it looks at at a glance. It just looks like a mouse, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so uh, that meant now that i've got all these buttons i don't need to have so many buttons on the screen so i started going in and tinkering with this interface and and it's and it's like you know when you get a new phone mm. and some stuff works how you expect but some buttons aren't where you you're used to and you have to kind of spend a week or two getting used to how your new phone is uh, is it, set up before you you're happy with it again I'm kind of in that phase at the moment where hmm. um, uh, where everything is just a little bit um, a, a little bit messed up nothing is quite in the right place and I'm having to rearrange my in, uh, entire interface when I first started thinking about this I, I was thinking, um, it's it, it feels like moving house but i think that's probably a bit extreme i think yeah new phone is a closer <laughs> in, is is a closer analogy so yeah i have been you know as usual sinking plenty of time into final fantasy 14
0: well boy can i say you sure have sold me on this game i uh, i <laughs> i really want to get it now if you can spend days effectively changing um <laughs>
1: just some settings. The thing is like you won't care about that at first at all. Like it, it, it the way it's set up initially is like fine for the first like 50 hours of this or whatever <laughs> and then and then you start thinking ah but it would be nice if this button was there and that button was there and then you and that's how it all starts. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the rot sets in.
0: um <laughs> Oh boy. Well, um
1: you're playing one of those tiny people, aren't you? Yes, I'm playing the Is it the... a Lala Fell? That is what they're called, yeah. yeah. I'm playing a little cute guy who has a red panda friend.
0: Yeah, that that's that's the extent I'm prepared to learn things about Final Fantasy. I know yeah. one of one of the species. <laughs> mm. Um oh. Gosh, what are we doing here? Oh, a podcast. Yeah, okay. Podcast, um, yeah. yeah,
1: about Final No. about
0: <laughs> about, about uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, the um, top rated MMO which lets you play for free up to level sixty. Um, yeah. This episode is brought to you by <laughs> uh, Skillshare. Talk to me. Come on, we we, we can do sponsorship. I'm um, <laughs> I, like I've said before, I will shill for anything. Give me like give me like fifty pounds. That's it. I'll, I'll buy. I don't know a hat. Mm. Um, I... <laughs> so go on, go on. <laughs> so, uh, um, podcast. Then, um, so we introduced the concept at this bit, which is that this is a podcast where we talk about films, but we look at the films in eight-minute chunks because that's a number that I liked the sound of when I thought of this idea. Mm. Um, And the film we're watching at the moment is Alien, the 1979 horror classic, Um, and I have seen it a lot, and Peter hasn't seen it a lot. Um, So we watch it, and then we talk about it in the style of a podcast. God... I feel like I'm on Thorazine today.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are the uh, the the relative expert coming in this. You've made notes as well and done some research. In a yeah, wow. Period. I um I am coming in as a relative novice. I've seen the film. I know what happens in it. Not a, not a whole lot in this film is going to be hugely surprising to me. So it's not that sort of thing. But it, it uh, I do not know very much about the film. Yeah, this isn't Peter reacts to Alien. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, we like to start the podcast um, with me talking a little bit about something tangentially related to, but maybe not directly touching on the movie that we're talking about. And today for you, Peter, I have have something a little special um, that you... You brought it to my mind last episode, so we're talking about Alien
1: War. Right, this is the live experience that you mentioned. That's right, yeah. Um, Before
0: I start my little spiel, which is mostly stolen from Wikipedia as usual, um, do you have had been to Alien War? Uh, That's the read I'm going with. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I don't. (laughs) You don't have had been to Alien War? Oh, wow. Um, So, I never experienced Alien War, and I don't really know what it is, so why don't you tell me a little bit about this?
0: Alien War was an immersive total reality attraction themed around the Alien film series. A variation of the popular Haunted Maze attraction, it allowed visitors to enter a heavily themed set where they and a group of colonial marines would be stalked by xenomorphs both of which were played by a cast of actors. Mm. John Gorman and Gary Gillies came up with the concept of Alien War while displaying several Aliens props that Gorman had collected at an Alien and Aliens double bill at a small theatre in Glasgow. They thought it'd be a good way of putting fans in an Alien movie. They didn't want to copy the then-popular laser tag format, instead opting for a live-action interactive adventure across between role-playing and a fairground house of horror. The attraction originally opened in the Arches venue in Glasgow in April 1992 before moving to a permanent home in the basement of the London Trocadero, where it was opened by Sigourney Weaver on the 16th of October 1993. Um, She was supposed to open it by um, firing a blank firing pulse rifle at the ribbon, but the Metropolitan Police were like, do not. So So instead she fired a um, a flamethrower that had like co2 cartridges fitted instead of like you know fire
1: (laughs) right okay
0: uh much of the plastic set dressing used in the construction of the set was created using original molds made for alien and aliens and some were actually pieces that have been used to build the sets in aliens pinched from a skip at pinewood studios (laughs)
1: that's pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah it was so atmospheric inside the aliens were played by performers in suits while the face huggers were animatronic effects
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so i think i gave the game away there that i that i definitely went to this uh, yeah. um i i actually went four times um which is as much as little me could convince other human beings with money and time to take me there um how little are we talking <laughs> um i was probably 10 <laughs> wow <laughs> maybe maybe a little older i i haven't done the maths
1: by this point, were you already a big fan of the
0: film? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, real, like, super into them. Um, childhood
1: was so different from mine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, honestly, uh, I, I can remember the first time I went to Alien War because um, it was the first time I'd been beyond Mile End on the Central Line. And, mm-hmm. um, like, we had to change at Holborn for the Piccadilly Line. And uh, and like I was equally equally as excited about that as I was about going to Alien <laughs> One. <laughs> I I like you know I, I've been to Holborn Station a number of times subsequently, and it has not lived up to the first time I went. <laughs> yeah, I got off the train and I'm like, wow. <laughs> Are the things you find entertaining as a child, as a literal child.
1: Um, Although now, if you got to go there, you'd probably say, wow, again, weirdly. <laughs> so it all comes around, doesn't it? Um, are you saying just because I've been
0: locked indoors for months? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Oh, <Ow>, trains. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alien War was arranged quite cleverly, if in my opinion, because... Um, so it's all in the basement of the Trocadero in like this sci-fi corridor that is literally just like a big old corridor linking the Trocadero and Piccadilly Circus tube station. Mm. A- and you'd go in there and there was like, there was like props from aliens around that you could look at, like, you know, and a ticket booth on the right hand side and then an entrance door on the left. Like, and there was a queue. So you went over to the the thing on the, uh, the ticket booth on the right and you bought your ticket and you went and stood Ding. in. A- <laughs> We haven't got to that yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, maybe we should have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you uh yeah, and you go you go over to the left and you get in the queue with everybody else and you wait to be let in because they'd only let they'd only do you through in groups of like 10. So, you know, if you were a four, you had to wait for other people to turn up. And there was a door over on the right-hand side next to the ticket booth uh that was the exit of the attraction. And every so often a group of 10 people would run screaming through that door, (laughs) realize they'd arrive back in the lobby and just sort of like collect themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was so well like placed. Cause like the, the first time I, like I saw these people running out in abject horror and I'm like, is this going to be too much for me? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, "Uh, maybe I'm too scared to go into this. And my (laughs) sister was like, well, we bought the tickets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, what I would have done, uh, uh, what you just described is very good and Mm. I, I like it, but what I would have done is just had this bit where everyone who leaves has to first get on like a stretcher <laughs> and then you cover them with a cloth and and like you, you have people carry them out <laughs> uh that's good less workable but good yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so um so the the first time i finagled this by um talking my sister and her boyfriend into taking me there while they were having a date in london um so they were having a date and i was there as well uh you know fifth wheeling (laughs) the the whole thing pretty hard um and uh she said to him like you aren't allowed to let him go like you know you've got to look after him while he's in there And she went as well but like she was just outsourcing you know care duties um (laughs) and we went inside and um there was a little flight of stairs at one point so uh, sorry i should just explain what it's like inside before i yeah. keep on with these endless anecdotes so basically you you go in through these doors mm-hmm. and um you're met by a colonial marine so it's it's a guy in the colonial marine's armor from aliens and it was really like well done you know it's uh, we would call it cosplay in this day and age but it was <laughs> it was really really well done and they'd explain to you that they were going to take you through a um you know, a facility where they were keeping the aliens and you could see them in various stages of their life cycle. Then, like, you know, then suddenly alarms would go off and you'd be like, oh, and you'd be like, oh, no. And the Marine would run off and he'd, like, leave you there for, like, a minute and you'd be there like, going, what's going on? And then he'd run back and be like, oh, no, okay, um, the aliens have gotten out and I've got to get you out to safety. And then you'd proceed through and he'd stop you at t- different times and, um, like, you'd see face huggers and things and aliens running at you. And the Marine had like a, um, he had like a pulse rifle from aliens. Um, And they were, depending on which one they were, they were blank firing. So they would just be like bang, bang, bang. Or they had like strobe light effects in them that triggered um, like gunfire noises in speakers in the walls. It was really clever. Right. Um, And yeah, they had all these different things that would happen. And the guys who ran it were super into it, and would like would like mix things up. So if you'd been before, it would ne- wasn't necessarily going to be the same thing you saw huh. um, the next time you went through. And um, like some of the things I remember were like um, they had a um, like <laughs> CO two fire extinguishers that would fire through the wall, so you you know he'd tell you to hide against the wall, and you'd suddenly be sprayed with ice cold gas, mm-hmm. and you'd be like ah running around um one time they had a guy dressed up as the predator in there (laughs) okay (laughs) which i wasn't there for that but i i I just love the idea of it and uh my, my favorite one i heard about was um uh so there's a there's a bit in the ride where like sometimes they would put in plants in the group with you so just people dressed as normal civilians um, who would be killed as the ride went on. <laughs> so, like, you know, there's a bit where you go through a lift and, like, the lift doors open and, the, and an alien would just reach through and grab the plant and just pull them back out. Hmm. And then later on, you'd find their body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just so well done.
1: Like, <laughs> um, So, you were quite young when you were doing this. Mm, yeah. Um, and... So how much of this, it sounds like it was very well done, but hmm. how much of this do you think is has become kind of inflated in your imagination? What, what um, Do
0: you have I a mean, sense of that? <clears throat> I mean, it's hard to say, honestly, um, but I, I've seen pictures of the set, like, you know, subsequently, especially while doing research yeah. for this bit, and they are so good. Like, honestly, my first thought when I went into that set was like, this is the thing from Alien." It, it, Aliens. It looks so much like it. And of course, because I've just read now they've They basically just went and got all the set decoration and wall dressing stuff and just put it on. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's going to be like inflated because of my fond nostalgia for it. But they did do a really good job at the time. I remember, um, uh, like I say, I went four times, and the first three times were just excellent, and the last time uh, wasn't as good as the others. But um, (laughs) yeah, some some things I remember happening in there to me uh i fell over at one point Down there was a little flight of stairs and i kind of missed it and my my sister's boyfriend picked me up bodily and carried me (laughs) (laughs) under one arm until like because we were running away from aliens Um, yeah (laughs) um another time um basically i ended up at the back of the group and there was an like uh sorry i was right at the front of the group and there was an alien running towards everybody and i was like ah you know aliens gonna eat me and it just stopped uh, and like backed off because obviously it's, you know, a man in a suit and I happened to look down and it was an alien from the top down and from the bottom, it had jeans and sneakers on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that's broken the immersion a little bit, but fine. Uh, <laughs> the exit part was excellent as well. Just because, you know, you, 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 it was just after you were loaded into a, like an escape vehicle that sort of just shook around a little bit with you in. And then they were like, okay, go, go, go. And you run down this corridor and there's a door and you go bang through the door and you're screaming and running. And then you're in the lobby and there are like 25 people in the queue looking at you with abject horror. Like, what What have we signed ourselves up for? That, that part was just absolute class. The guys who ran it did such a good job, honestly.
1: <laughs> and uh, so how, how did... 10-ish-year-old you take this the first time?
0: I loved it. I honestly loved it. Um, I... Any time I could convince my parents or anyone
1: else to take me there, I I would go. Um, So, I I, I can't say I've had many comparable experiences at that age, but when I was uh, around 11, um, I went on a it was kind of an exchange trip to uh, uh, to America with the scouts, um, and as part of that trip, I went to uh, Niagara Falls, mm. and we crossed over. and uh, There's a street uh, on the uh, on the Canadian side of uh, Niagara Falls, which has all of these kind of attractions of v- varying levels of. Uh, of shit there's like a believe it or not museum on there that I remember going to but there was also this kind of haunted house experience thing <laughs> um that, uh some of the others wanted to go to so um uh so I agreed and the person I was with uh who was one of the people uh, uh, one of the people I was staying with um uh i feel like we both got scared and agreed to run back out of the front entrance quite <laughs> early on in the experience right um and there were like people in it as well so it was it was staffed with some form of actors i guess um uh and uh we ran out and agreed to never speak of this again <laughs> <laughs> to some of the others who had gone through Aww. and uh, <laughs> And I never did speak of this again until now. Sorry. Oh, well, well now and now. <laughs> oh, you've broken the accord. Oh yeah. dear. Um <laughs> so, yeah, that, that scared me too much. So definitely probably what you just described me to me would have scared me too much. Uh and uh the other thing around that age that I would have been quite scared of is obviously Jeff Wayne's musical version of War <laughs> So that that was about my my kind of speed, I would hmm. say. Um, so yeah, I I didn't go at that age and or, or later. How long did it last, I suppose, is is the question. I, I have a feeling it was like 10. Oh, what do you mean how long the
0: ride lasted or how long it was open for? How long it was open for. <clears throat> Um, It wasn't that long, really. Um, It actually closed in uh, 1996. Uh, They'd had no intention to close it, but some pipes burst in the Trocadero that caused, I I think it was on the order of millions of pounds of flood damage. Um, And when they went to claim from the insurance company, the insurance company immediately went bankrupt. Um, So they never got to reopen. They just closed. I remember I was heartbroken as a little kid because I went there a number of times after it was closed and they were just obviously you know, sign saying closed without really explaining why. And then one day it all just disappeared. Uh, what was it replaced with? Memory's a bit hazy, uh, but I think it was a James Bond simulator ride. Okay. Which I wasn't as keen on, uh, yeah. because even back then, simulator rides made me sick AF.
1: Yeah, I loved a simulator ride. Uh, <laughs> back, back to the Future ride, I loved it.
0: Uh I had to stop the star tours ride at Disneyland because I was going to be sick. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> um that one was that one's particularly bad because um it uses like these really fast transitions to like a whirling starfield to disguise the fact it isn't one long consecutive ride. And every time they did that I was like
1: Oh, more recently, they've <laughs> uh, they really beefed it up. It's properly, it's more th- kind of three D now. I, I
0: was going to imagine that that the, they'd improved
1: it somewhat in the last twenty years. <laughs> uh, they, it's more three D now, but also there's like variations, so that it will kind of slightly randomise the kind of scenes that you oh, go. Oh, nice! In. Each time you go in, it's uh, it's different. It's it's a good old thing, to start off.
0: <clears throat> Yeah. So, to, to, just two final memories of Alien War, then. Um, I remember the first three times I went, like they started with the, you know, the whole marine saying, you know, in character saying, "Oh, aliens gonna show you." Oh no, the aliens escaped. The last time, uh, he just came in. And he was like, "Okay, if the aliens grab you, that's it. You're dead. Don't don't fight them. Don't punch the aliens." Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Actually, uh, is it possible to lose this? Is it? Is there a <laughs> Um, an element of failure in
0: occasionally they would just grab people who and remove them from the ride and be like sorry you got eaten um right okay. but as i understand it, it didn't happen that often mm-hmm. um but you know uh obviously <laughs> eventually it became enough of a problem that up front they were like they're not aliens they're actors in suits um <laughs> they're, re- they're really tired of having their jaws broken <laughs> Oh yeah, so the, the only other story I heard about was a, um, uh, they actually had a plant who was um, an able-bodied person but they put him in a wheelchair to go through the ride and they had an alien grab him about halfway through and uh, they had someone waiting up ahead um, and they just put the wheelchair there on its side and spun the wheel just before everyone else arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were all screaming and they were like, okay, yeah, this is a great one. We've got, we've got to reuse this at some point. Wow. wow i i actually indirectly know the people who um worked on alien war through a um through a friend so that's kind of cool mm. I, I i've never spoken to them personally because um that kind of be concerning because you know I, I guess i'd do hero worship or whatever but uh mm. <laughs> it did actually re- briefly reopen in a few locations in the 2000s but not for very long did you get along to those? I imagine you must have done. No, I, n- I never did, actually. I never did. Usually I found out about it um, about six months after it closed. Um, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, wow, we've talked about this for some time, but um, as you can tell, obviously it was something that really excited me. Um, yeah, something I was really into.
1: I feel like it, if it had been more my genre, if it had been like more <laughs> my thing, if I'd been a bit older, that would have been the sort of thing that I would have also been super into. I mean, there there are similar things these
0: days, like uh, there's a zombie-themed um, kind of escape lab thing in mm. the Namco Centre in London now, I think. Um, I remember trying to get people interested in going to that before, you know, the recent unpleasantness. Yeah, I would do that. Hmm. It's maybe too much running now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, we should probably talk about the bells. Since you've already fucking dinged me, I think you can talk
1: about them. Yeah, so as a holdover from the last time we did this podcast about the thing. thing. Um No, not a valid use, <laughs> as I'm about to explain. Not a valid use of the bell. Um we are allowed to ring this bell like this. Ding. Uh, we have to say ding now because of Discord and how it
0: doesn't <laughs> Technical bells. sounds
1: anymore. Um, <laughs> anyway, you get to ring this bell if someone says the thing and they're not talking about this game that I'm explaining or they're not talking about the monster, the thing, or the film, the thing. Um, so if they just say thing in a different context then you get to ding them and at the end of the series the scores get totted up and whoever has the most dings uh gets clawed to death by a lobster or something (laughs) for some reason
0: i thought you were going to say at the end of our lives Uh. (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad that you've explained that now so we can actually get on with the part of the podcast that's the actual podcast here a mere 40 minutes in
1: um, <laughs> oh God, it's been so long. um <laughs> luckily um this is also considerably longer than usual in that there's more points to discuss so that's good um yeah yeah it's uh it's it's a twofer this is going to be
0: the special six hour episode um yeah <laughs> yeah you're in this one for the long haul folks strap in <clears throat> with that let's get watching Okay, we're going to be watching minutes 48 to 56 of Alien, and as always, this isn't a watch-along podcast. Stop doing that. I know who you are, and I will come down your chimney at Christmas. Um, uh, uh, maybe I should rephrase that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how this bit works is I have a list of bullet points, and I'm going to read them out loud, and if we want to talk about them, we will. And if we don't want to talk about them, we won't. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to add sass. Do you did it? Do you think it works? Um, uh, it's a little bit try-hard, honestly. Oh, oh. Too, too too sassy, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the crew continue to search the room with probes. The probes, kind of like a just like an LED on a stick. Um,
1: yeah, my... I w- wasn't quite clear whether it was a probe or just a very bad torch. Like, what? Why
0: does he have these? What are they for? <laughs> <laughs> um. Ripley moves to look at the unconscious Kane. The facehugger falls from the ceiling above her onto her shoulder. It's a jump scare. Yeah. It's good cuz there's a there's a couple of minutes of silence preceding this so uh, when it does she does a shrill scream
1: and it's really frightening in the cinema. Well, I suppose <laughs> it's a jump scare but you get, you see a bit of tail in the background first so you you're given a bit of warning.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's true actually. It's not I guess it's not a a true jump scare especially cuz they're normally accompanied by like a Dramatic sting on the soundtrack. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, the rubbery tail is behind her. You know, you know, she's in danger. Um...
1: It's it's a it's a fake out, I guess. Is, it, is yeah, it is because yeah. you think it's going to attack and it, it doesn't.
0: It just sort of flops uselessly yeah. onto her. She screams and throws it away. Everyone else rushes over, but it's dead.
1: Mm. Um. Well, you know. It, I guess this is why I didn't really remember that it did any attacking after this. Um, I remember Yeah, it's, some...
0: it's it's a bit of a wet squib, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I remember a bit of attacking of a facehagger in uh, Aliens, mm. but I don't remember any scene like that in, um, in, in in this one, and that's why. And it makes sense that it would just uh, die, I guess, after doing its
0: business. It's completed its terrible task. Yeah. Um, Ash prods it with a probe and it twitches but it's still dead um, The drop-in and the twitching here, both done by a little bit of fishing wire um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I wonder what its little adventure was before it died then, how did it get on the ceiling? Well I mean it's, it's up in the, um,
0: in the sort of lamp fittings directly over where Kane was so it's just sort of jumped and we know it can jump
1: We know it can do a pretty <laughs> good jump
0: yeah, so it's uh, it's popped up there to chill out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ash examines it closely on a table. Ripley wants to dispose of it, but Ash insists on keeping it.
1: Uh, I, so I, I'm not sure what that thing is made of, but what, whatever it is, looks like it was definitely alive at some point. Uh, something about it seems very seafoody to me Yeah, g- very good
0: guess The innards of the facehugger uh, were made with Fresh shellfish, oysters, and a Sheep kidney Mm-mm. Okay, I'm, I'm glad that I managed to figure that out Yeah, yeah. Um, They had to refilm this a couple of times And they kept having to replenish it Because under the studio lights it would rot And go stinky very, very quickly
1: it looks genuinely
0: gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for Ian Holm having to be like face first in that thing, <laughs> like like yeah. having a look. Like wow, fa- what fascinating innards this thing has when really it's like looking into a seafood slop bucket. Uh, not like that guy from the thing, he would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Wilford Brimley. Yeah. yeah. He'd have been he'd have been all up in that thing's gizzards. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to allow you that thing.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Dallas agrees with Ash, and he leaves. Ripley follows him, arguing, and shuts a door in his face to stop him leaving. This is foreshadowing a later scene where Ash is going to do exactly the same thing to Ripley, um, but with a different intent.
1: Mm.
0: Ash has a final say on science-related things. Uh, so, So... I mean, that makes sense. Dallas does seem to be abdicating responsibility a bit here, but he, you know, he's like, well, the company says this, and I can't go against the company, which.
1: Yeah, it it does make sense, but you'd start, you definitely begin to much more than before, I guess, put together that there's a a wider agenda going on here, maybe from the company that most most of the crew are aware of. Hmm. You you also get during this it being pointed out that Ash only joined the crew relatively recently. Yeah, this is this is his first trip out. Um he was replaced
0: uh at Thetis and uh has joined them for their trip. So again, um reason for them all to be suspicious of him. Hmm. It's interesting because he um, now that you know he's a newcomer, like some of the it sort of recontextualizes some of the interactions he's had earlier with people, where it just sort of seems like everyone doesn't like him. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you just joined and you made no real effort to fit in with everyone else, yeah. Um, Dallas asks how the repairs are coming along. Ripley says they're mostly done, and he decides to just leave anyway. Uh, I believe later this will be shown to
1: be something of an error. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's definitely got much more of a lax approach to the rules than Ripley seems to. He just wants to go. Um, And it's interesting, because usually in a film, uh, the kind of hero character that you root for is is the person who's a bit of a... Maverick and mm. uh goes against the grain a bit, but in this case, this story is more about how playing things by the book would have been a much better idea, <laughs> yeah,
0: it definitely would have saved lives. Um, yeah. Dallas is really shaking hands with danger here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's we, a deep, do we have to explain that? <laughs> no, that's that's a deep cut. Uh, Google mm. shaking hands with danger, um, mm. safe search off. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do find it interesting that Ripley says we're blind on B and C decks. Um, I've always taken this to imply that there's some sort of camera system. um, Yeah. Or at least some sort of system for monitoring the interior of the ship, which would make sense to have.
1: Yeah, maybe they have readouts that tell you whether there's been like a whole breach on those decks or something like mm. that, that they wouldn't be able to see so that's like a danger with taking off or something, I don't know.
0: It never really comes up uh, yeah. later, but it's uh, I've always found it interesting that she's like, we're blind on BNC decks and he's like, well whatever, we can go, that's fine I don't care We cut to the Nostromo's exterior as it takes off Despite a few minor issues, the ship reaches the orbit again, and everyone is pleased we see the Nostromo and the refinery leaving orbit. So, two things here: it's it's interesting that um, this whole sequence is greatly compressed from the landing sequence. Yeah, where the landing is like five to ten minutes of them talking and doing things. Uh, the, the getting back up into space is literally them going, "Go to space, okay? We're in space." <laughs> yeah. Um. And like, there's the whole section where they detach from the refinery. They don't even show it here. It's literally just implied with them picking it back up. And it almost like imparts a sense of relief to the audience that you're leaving this planet. You know, they're, they're like, yeah, okay, let's skip all this stuff. Let's go, 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 go. We're in space. We're in safe. We're safe now.
1: Everything's fine. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely a change of uh, pace, although probably a good decision at this point as well, because uh I don't think we could have taken another 10 minutes of, <laughs> of launching.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, it's an excellent pacing decision, of course. Um, uh, originally, the refinery model was much more intricate, but Ridley Scott, uh, tired of delays and wanting a different look, uh, just went into the Model Makers Workshop and took a chisel to it. Um, hmm. So <laughs> uh, he chipped off bits from here and there, and they re-glued them in different places and ended up with the refinery that you see there. Originally, it was more like a giant cathedral upside down. Hmm. The crew in the galley talking about Kane. Uh, Again, this is more of that um, blue-collar, white-collar stuff. Um, I I find it interesting that that everyone seems to have relaxed a little. Like uh, Ripley and Parker and Brett are all joking about how Brett is quite stoic. Um, And Dallas... Is still very uptight from um, from what we saw just precedently. Uh, he's telling them all to shut up and like you know ordering people about. Yeah. Um, Lambert has
1: bad news. It's ten months to Earth. Um. So did they not understand this? How far away they were before? Um. I th- I don't entirely understand and like.
0: Obviously, it's never really made clear, but I, I think th- that she says, g- including the time taken to get to the planetoid and back, it's 10 months to Earth. So I think that they have become significantly delayed by their side trip. Right. Um, so I assume it's the time they spent getting to the planet, like investigating, getting back off, has had some sort of massive knock on effect. I think there's something like transfer orbits and things. Right. Whereby uh it you can't just fly in a straight line or whatever, um <laughs> I don't understand space, but um the vibe you get from them is that they were not expecting it to be ten months and ten months is bad. Hmm. Ripley is going to miss her daughter's eleventh birthday is do we how how do we know that we don't uh, <laughs> doesn't mention her daughter at all comes up in aliens um huh. and even then not in the regular edition of Aliens. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I had a child elsewhere in the solar system, I just feel like it might come up. I don't know. I <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, maybe she doesn't mention it, or also the fact that she's only three days from retirement. Um.
1: Huh.
0: Ash calls from the medical bay and asks Alice to come and see Kane. Kane is awake. Everyone
1: seems relieved and happy. Hang on, just a second. Um, so before we get to Kane being awake. I think there's a really interesting line Mm. that happens before that. Yeah. Which is that when uh, when Dallas asks uh, what what the matter is, uh, Ash says something like, it's simpler if you just come and see him. Yeah. which, Which is a really weird way to say he's just woken up, which is what has actually, <laughs> actually happened. Why wouldn't you just say that? But it, for some reason, it feels like really in keeping with his personality mm. somehow. It, it's like it just kind of pleases him to withhold information and to be able to control yeah. With that.
0: Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's um, I've always thought it was a weird line. I mean, um, because again, you you could just be like, He's awake. That's two words. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But you are right. I mean, he does, he does play his cards very close to his chest, as we've seen a couple Mm -hmm. of times. Um, All right. Um, Kane is awake. Everyone seems relieved and happy. (laughs) Uh, Least of all Kane. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Kane remembers nothing except a dream about smothering.
1: And when he Mm. talks about that, there's um, uh, another look Ash gives here. Mm. And it's very... I know there's something more to this which I'm not letting on look. My notes for the next, like,
0: three minutes of this movie are um, basically... That's a weird look on Ash's face. Yeah. Uh, every 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 time every every subsequent scene from now until the end of this episode, um, mm. everyone else has a normal, regular expression on their face. It cuts quickly to Ash. He looks like unreadable or really shifty. Those are his two expressions for the, for the remainder of this thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't really notice it when I've watched the film before, but he really looks like he's waiting for something to happen yeah yeah he's um uh, it's here it's
0: just a strange look but it's a more pointed. it gets more pointed as it goes on like he knows that the clock is running um
1: yeah it's very it's a very interesting one he sort of tilts his head slightly in a minute we'll get to it yeah
0: i did i did actually just notice that that um my my note for this section is uh the look, that look on Ash's face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, later I have a note that says that look again from Ash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, bringing things back to Kane for a moment, that is a fascinating garment he's
1: wearing. Um, I, I did c- kind of clock that, but I didn't make any notes about it. I didn't really think about it. But yeah, it, it is... Uh, it's an old, old one, isn't it?
0: I assume it's part of the cooling suit. For the spacesuit, I assume that they cut him out of the suit, yeah, and and that's what it is because it sort of looks like a, a corset with rubber piping, um, yeah. that, that exposes. I'm I'm sorry, rest in peace, John Hurt. Exposes way too much of his weird, pallid chest. Um,
1: he, he looks <laughs> like he's just about to do something really weird in the holodeck. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, he's going to play Parisi squares. Um. <laughs> Oh, God. It's just... It's so weird. I, 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 they don't dwell on it, fortunately, but... Um... Yeah. Kane is hungry. The crew all gather in the galley for one last meal before going into cryo. So, um, there's a real... Um, l- like, the tension is broken here vibe. Like, everyone is... Like, we've seen them have one meal before, and that was... Along this lines, but it's much more. There's much more camaraderie here. Like they're all yeah. talking, they're all joking. Like it's the same stuff as it was previously. Where all, like you know everyone is talking over each other, but they're they're joking, they're happy. Like everyone is so everyone is relieved, except Ash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who as usual is distant from everyone else. Like he's at the table, but he's not, and he's like getting food, but he's not joining in with all these sick bants going back and forth
1: yeah he's kind of apart from everyone else he's uh almost like trying to play the part but uh not really very well mm.
0: uh Dallas is having another of those Wayland utani extra strong aspen beers um <laughs> <laughs> uh they're complaining about the food here um and I can sort of see why because everything on the ship seems to be noodles and cereal um and the set decorators were thinking about this and they were like, obviously they're not awake for a lot of the journey. So we've got to bring in foods that are things which, you know, extremely long life. Yeah. Um, but again, the, <laughs> uh, I don't know. They just, they just seem like really horrible. It's, it's bad food. It's bad food. I, I, I can't stand bad food. Um. <laughs> yeah. The crew happily chat all amongst each other, and you do. You get that look again from Ash. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Kane starts to cough, <laughs> <laughs> and again we we snap back to Ash. <laughs> my notes, my notes is like Ash's look again with like five exclamation marks after yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're we're getting this. We're definitely getting this in hindsight because yeah. obviously we know what's happening with Ash, and we know that he has an ulterior motive and the movie has been setting him up. Like he's distant from everyone else. He doesn't necessarily seem to have the same agenda they do. But Mm. I, I do think you would have picked up something was wrong with this guy from these, like they're very brief cuts to his expression, but it is a weird expression.
1: I think I would have known that he's maybe not trustworthy. And that is, um, uh, mainly from what Ripley has said and just mm. the way that he's acted and on, on a couple of occasions. But I, I don't think that it would have been very obvious. I think a lot of this is played pretty subtly. Mm. The crew gather
0: concernedly around Kane as he coughs and splutters. Um, mm. good, good sickness acting from John Hurt here.
1: Um, yeah, well, actually, something that I really, really think is underrated about this scene, and, and, and maybe it gets talked about more than uh, uh, more than I think, but I, I've never really heard people talk about this. Is uh, is, is Kane's noises, uh, which um, hmm. and, and we'll get some more of them in the in the next bit, I guess, but hmm. um, but they feel kind of realistic to me in the sense that they're. They're really undignified in a way that you don't often see. Yeah, on, on the screen, like they—they they would almost be funny in any other context. The kinds of noises that he's making, but in in this context, they're quite horrifying.
0: Uh, I mean, he's straight up gibbering, isn't he? I yeah. mean, like like so. So it starts with a cough and then a thing, but then yeah. then he's straight into sort of bestial noises of pain that I would yeah. genuinely not want to hear any other human being actually making yeah uh, especially not me <laughs>
1: right yeah it's, um, it's really um unpleasant and uh, really feels accurate to what a moment like that would be like because a lot of times like the the moment when in a film like this someone is attacked and or or someone is hurt in some way there's a kind of a bit of a filmic coolness uh, cool filter over it <laughs> right uh, it's uh it, it's played a bit cool and this is not cool at all this is very uh undignified someone dying and in immense pain
0: yeah it's it's very visceral um yeah. i'm really glad you brought it up actually because i I thought about it, but I hadn't made any notes on it. But yeah, he he uh, he he was a tremendous actor, um, mm. and obviously played this to the best of his abilities. Um, uh, again, we've got a- another look from Ash. I'm going to stop reading these out because you can just take it as read that after each of these points, Ash is doing something fucking weird. Yeah. Um, so Ash is still looking at him. Everyone else is like, you know. Um, standing up looking at him but they're um Ash is just sitting watching them and he's their medical officer he, he's not doing anything right um, he, he should have been the first to absolutely anything, really. yeah yeah that that's the thing which really seals it if you haven't been convinced yet yeah, the fact that everyone else has stood up and is looking at him and ash is just chewing on his food yeah um Kane falls onto his back writhing in agony on the table crew try to hold him down. Ash gets Parker to put a spoon in his mouth here, uh which is absolutely the wrong thing to do. You should never try to put anything in the mouth of someone who's having a seizure um because they'll break their teeth on it. Um you can't swallow your own tongue while seizing. It's a a, a myth. So if yeah. the if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, it's um if someone's having a seizure, um, just leave them alone. Um, if you can, put something under their head so that they don't bang their head on a thing. Time the seizure so that you know how long it's taken. And afterwards, um, get them like trained medical help. That, that's it, pretty much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but Ash has a weird thing about putting strange things in people's yeah. mouths as well. Yeah, that's,
0: that's going to come up later, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Kane writhes on the table, screaming as the crew wrestle with him. And um, and here, the patented eight-minute system has failed us for the first time, because um, mm-hmm. right in the middle of some action, and we cut, <laughs> we,
1: we end this episode. So we have often commented that it seems like on a, a, a lot of times the eight-minute system seems to break films up into very manageable kind of chunks where uh, a bunch of stuff happens and then it reaches some sort of stopping point and then the eight minutes is up and then the next bit of action happens in the next uh, segment. But here, we are interrupted right in the middle of something very, very major, perhaps the most major thing in the film. Oh, oh, oh boy, oh boy,
0: (laughs) Is the next episode going to start hot? Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So um,
1: wow. Uh, <laughs> what good timing? Um, yeah, I, I feel like the closest we've come to this before is back in uh, the thing where uh, I think there was a eight minute break uh, when it, in the kind of dog kennel area. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean you can you can't expect it to be perfect every time um, no. but it has like for something that I picked entirely arbitrarily it has held out quite well um, mm. um so um let's let's run through these questions cuz I know this has been a long episode um yeah. who, who's infected peter
1: <laughs> well um <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> oh we, we forgot
0: we didn't actually go through your questions from your your Things from last time. Oh, um, my
1: I'll, predictions!
0: Yeah, yeah I tell you, I tell you what, I'll read those out now, um, and uh, maybe I'll cut them in earlier. Maybe I won't. It depends how I how I feel when I'm editing. All right, uh, so you said so your previous predictions. Who's infected? Kane definitely. Um, said what happens next? The face hugger reveals itself, and they deal with it. They kill it. Shortly after that, Kane recovers. They all go to enjoy dinner. Everything is solved. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, 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 you did pretty, pretty good on those. They didn't kill the face hugger, but we've we've talked about that already. It was already dead, and it did re- resolve itself. I guess, yeah, it did and, show up. And you said who dies next? Kane, in the next episode.
1: And well, look, I, <laughs> I'm, no, like, I'm not giving you this. <laughs> I'm seconds off here.
0: <laughs> you were, you were wrong, and you know it. <laughs> Anyway, so so let's go back to your, your ones for this episode. Um, who's infected? Uh, you are still going to stick with Kane? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> These questions increasingly meaningless as the movie for, goes on. For the next few seconds, Kane is infected. What happens next, Peter? <laughs>
0: what happens next?
1: <laughs> um, Remember, you've got eight minutes to cover. <laughs> well, what I think is going to happen here is that uh, a cute little alien <laughs> is, <laughs> is going to burst out of the kind of belly area. They're called chest bursters, but I feel like this is more like the belly area. That's my memory of it. Upper belly area. Um, and... Uh, is then just going to scuttle off towards the camera, Hmm. uh, knocking things over as it goes. Um, And they are all going to look very horrified and confused about it. And then they're going to split up in order to search where it has gone. Um, That's what I think. Uh, good I will write that down you know what I'm gonna go
0: ahead and say I think you're right at least partially <laughs> yeah all right so the the uh the second to last question then I gotta ask you is uh who dies next uh I you know what I'm not gonna give you any points for this one um
1: do you want to do you want me to say who dies after that <laughs> I don't know. um oh, all right so we'll say we'll say
0: that Kane dies next I'm yeah. I'm I'm it's fairly obvious that's going to happen. Mm. Um, like I say, I would have given it to you. You were seconds off. Um, I mean, he
1: may. He's very likely already fatally wounded.
0: <laughs> I don't know. He, he he looks okay. He could recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> he won't, but <laughs> all right. Come on then. Come on. Then. Let's flex, flex your memory. Who dies after Kane? Who's the next member of the crew to die? If indeed anyone
1: else does die. They will, um, and I feel like the next person to die. I might be wrong on this, but my memory of this is that the next person to die is Brett. All right, Brett Harry Dean Stanton.
0: I've written that down in my notes. We usually end the show with me asking you, "How are you finding the film so far? What has this extra eight minutes done to your appreciation of
1: Alien?" Well, I, I'm again just amazed that we didn't get to the actual death during this eight-minute segment, and that we're now where are we? Fifty-six. Is that where we ended? Fifty-six minutes in. Yeah. Fifty-six minutes in, and maybe in the next minute we're gonna get. <laughs> uh, we, we're gonna get there. But yeah, the the main threat is still yet to to reveal itself and even when it does reveal itself i think i mentioned this a lot time it doesn't it's not in its most threatening form yet and it's probably going to take a mm. short while to get to its most threatening form so it's it's very interesting how much um time it takes getting to that kind of iconic alien Oh, yeah, we've discussed this before, but the
0: film is a real slow burner. But, um, yeah, and things uh, really start to heat up from here on in. This is the big turning point.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself too much because I definitely am, but it, I do, I uh, I have gained a a real appreciation for the pacing of this first film Mm. uh, through uh, watching this. I think. Overall, and it might still be true, I have in the past enjoyed the second film more. It's just kind of more my kind of thing. Um, but um, I am really starting to enjoy this one for, for, for what it is.
0: Hmm. I, I'm going to say, what, what I believe we've said it before, but it um, it is interesting that lo- looking at these things in little tiny eight minute chunks, you're not really clear whether... Um, examining anything in such detail will help you to see the good side of it. So, I mean, we, we have picked two films which are regarded as absolute classics. So, um, maybe the next film we have to do is one that we both just abjectly hate, like, yeah. um, like Piers Morgan's sex tape or something. Mm. Um, I'd say we should do that one, but it's not eight minutes long. Um...
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's, uh, the... you're not going to get eight minutes out of that.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. And, and with that, uh, uh, oh, God, I think I'd rather have the alien bursting out of me. Um... <laughs> uh, if you... Uh, have Piers Morgan sex tape, or you'd like to talk to us about anything else we've covered in the podcast? Maybe
1: you have personal memories of Alien War. Ooh.
0: Oh yeah, oh that would be good. Um, because and I spoke to a lot of people. I haven't ever met anyone else as you've been really who ha- who wasn't somebody in my immediate family or friends that I dragged to it. Mm. Uh, sometimes screaming. Um, so it would be good to get some other perspectives on it. Um. Yeah, you can just drop us an email at podcast at 8 It doesn't matter if it's the number or the letter.
1: Um, how can people find you on the internet, Kieran? Um, by paying a Darknet
0: assassin to come to my house. Um, um,
1: how can they find you without intent to kill?
0: Oh um I am on Twitter as Kieran J Walsh that's where I am on the Twitter. And you Peter you
1: can hire a private detective who specializes in tax fraud. <laughs> uh, uh. I mean uh, sorry I mean you can uh, uh go to Kestrel Pie on both uh Twitter at both that's a weird word to say on both Twitter and all the other things. Um on both of these nuts. Um, Let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, it, you can reach me on Kestrel Pie on Twitter and most other kinds of similar things, and that's Kestrel like the bird and Pie like the irrational number. That was a much better take,
0: but I'm not fixing that in post. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah so i guess that's the end of this long ass show which we mostly talked about final fantasy 14 and alien war um Mm -hmm. goodbye listeners goodbye goodbye